We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well... We're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris go forth in for John Chuckery, who has taken a well-deserved day off on this July the 3rd. I'm glad to be with you today. We have got a lot to get to tonight. We'll get to uh, some takeaways on the Braves as we pass the midway point of the season Final week before we get to that all-star break. Braves are going to be well represented. Well, of course, we'll talk a little Falcons football as well. We'll have our Falcons flyover coming up in an hour from now. We're actually going to talk a little bit about the NFC South today and where the uh, Falcons may fit in. Also, Michael Rothstein from ESPN.com. He's going to join us less than 20 minutes from now, and we'll talk about the Falcons with, uh, with Michael. We'll also talk a little Hawks before the end of the hour. I'm at a loss when it comes to the Hawks. I, I want to feel better. I want to feel like there is movement in the right direction and that this team that's going to be on the court in October will be better than the one that walked off the court after losing in the playoffs this past spring. But I don't have a lot of hope right now. And uh, we'll get into that. Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks, he's going to join us coming up before the end of this hour. And hopefully, with Brad's help, we can figure out where the Hawks are and where they're going. I try to try to tell myself it's still early in this offseason, relatively speaking. But I just don't have a good feeling about uh, 2023. Again, Brad Rowland coming up at 740. Always great when I get a chance to spend some time with my friend Day-Day. Day-Day, uh, any idea of what exotic locale John Chuckery is? Is it Maui? Is it Antigua? Maybe the Bahamas? Do we know where John is off to? Uh, well, first off, Chris, let me just say it's always a pleasure to work with you. Um he wanted to keep it discreet as possible, Ooh. but uh, no, I do know that he's uh, you know he and his <laughs> he and his daughter um, you know they're they're enjoying their vacation together and whatnot and uh, yeah he's actually going to be out the entire week so awesome well I'm, um, you only got to put up with me one night <laughs> now I, I I'll warn you I am back here again tomorrow between two and six to uh, to work on a little uh, a little we'll sh- we'll shoot off some fireworks tomorrow between uh, between two and six so um, that'll be uh, that'll be fun so I am back then but hey day day it's always fun when you and I get a chance to to hang out for a bit I don't get it we don't get a lot of time together but it's always a good time I do have to ask though I'm gonna I'm gonna change gears here real quick mm-hmm. 
Did you see the Max Prep Top 25 National High School Football Rankings yep. came out last week? Yep, and four, four yep. Georgia schools yep. made the list, including Buford, yep. who will open the season ranked number 10. Yep, I, uh, I actually talked about that Saturday night on the Prep Sports Nation I show. Uh, you probably did. Yeah, Buford, Carrollton, Langston Hughes, and Colquitt County. Yeah, I, I think it's cool anytime you see a team get a chance to get to get recognized like that in Georgia with four high schools ranked in the top nets, the top 25 that Max Prep puts out, those Georgia teams were all ranked in the top 20. Only Florida had more. I think Georgia had four. I think Florida had six. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's good to your point. It's very good to see that nationally Georgia teams are starting to get, you know, recognized like that because for a while, you know, it might be one team out of Georgia. It might be Lowndes. It might be Valdosta. Right. It might be Colquitt. And then Grayson started getting into the mix. But now you're starting to see – like it's Georgia's getting the respect it's, it deserves when it comes to high school football. So now you're seeing, you know, multiple teams in those national rankings, and that's really cool. Well, with the amount of Division One talent that this state cranks out, mm-hmm. let alone Metro Atlanta, but I'm just – I'm going to talk about the state of Georgia as a whole – uh yeah they they deserve that and and then some but I did want to bring that up because I knew you and I were going to be together today and I did a little bit of math 46 days away mm-hmm. from that first Friday night of high school football yes 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 I can't wait man I cannot wait it's going to be hot sweaty sticky and fun <laughs> it, it always is those you know people don't you know you think about football as as being a fall sport but you really think about it, especially here, mm-hmm. where we're going to start our seasons in mid-July. I mean, mid-August, and you know you're looking at some real hot temperatures, oftentimes for the first six, seven weeks of the season. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't really start cooling off on Friday you know, nights until like maybe October. Yeah, I mean, you're you're getting. Yeah. You know, week eight, week nine. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, by by week ten, by week ten, you expect to have on a jacket and gloves when you go to a game on a Friday night. Right, but exactly. Until then, man, you it is it is short sleeves and uh, take your uh, uh, take your sweat towel to uh, uh, you know take your golf towel with you to wipe your brow because you'll you'll sweat to death in those those early season games. So anyway, looking forward to it. Uh, it'll always be a fun year. And, of course, the uh, high school football scoreboard show here on Sports Radio 92.9, the game that Day-Day is a part of. Sam Crenshaw is a part of it. They'll, that'll get uh, cranked back up here before we know it. So, yeah, I was talking about that here Saturday, Day-Day, the fact that it's, look, you know, we're coming up on, what are we, two weeks or so, three weeks, whatever it is, from the start of SEC Media Days, mm-hmm. which to me – is the that's kind of the unofficial start of the football season. Yes. You know, when that happens, it's football season. Yep. Uh so we go from that uh the following week, the Falcons open training camp. The week after that, we've actually got some preseason NFL football with the Hall of Fame game that'll come along and then, you know, you get after that, you've got the first Falcons preseason game. And then from there, man, we're, we're off and rolling. High school football the next week. Uh, you know, college football starts. I think there's about 10 games that get played on the 26th of August, uh, including 
That is the game where Notre Dame, is it Notre Dame and Navy that are playing in Ireland? That is, I think, on the 26th of August. And, of course, once we hit Labor Day weekend, college football just, you know, you got games from Thursday to Monday uh, that weekend. And then if we turn around the next weekend, we've got another weekend of college football. And then, boom, here comes the NFL starting on that Thursday. Yeah, it's going to be rolling. It's here. Yeah, it's it's here. here. I'm ready for it. Right now, though, um, we got to talk a little bit about the Braves because they they do it again yesterday. They beat the Marlins. And, Day Day, do you think the Marlins even showered after that game yesterday? (laughs) I mean, it's like somebody from the Marlins dugout was on the phone with the bus company that was picking up the team to take them to the airport in about eighth in about the eighth inning and said, start the bus, (laughs) turn the AC on, and we're just going to walk out of here and get straight on the bus. We'll shower wherever we're headed to next. Just for the love of God, somebody get us out of Truist Park. Yeah, man, amazing, amazing series, um, especially that Friday night one. I mean, they mm. just jumped all over them. I mean, you look up and then you're like, what, 14 or what? Like, I mean, it was just it's just great to see them um, see them playing. And one of the things I, I tweeted last night that – Aside from the winning, they're just the coolest team in baseball right now. Like they I are just love, so cool to watch. We're gonna get into it later on in the in the show here. Uh, it'll be around nine o'clock. But there was a comment by Charlie Morton uh, the other day where Charlie said something to the effect of, "You know, th- these guys don't. There's they're, kind of like they're oblivious to what's going on. Like they're just going out playing and having a good time." And they don't realize exactly – I mean, you know, yeah, they know they're having fun, they're winning games, all this and all that. But the magnitude of what's happening – I mean, this team is on its way to being one of the best offenses in baseball of all time. Yes. Yes, they are. I mean, and it's just phenomenal um, what we're seeing from them right now. And they're doing so with – you know, and everybody realizes they're doing so with only – you know, with two of their best pitchers out of the mix. That's what – that is what the crazy thing. I gave a stat on Saturday that I found in USA Today, Day Day, that the Braves have started that 59 – now, this was a couple of weeks ago. Okay, this was like two, three weeks ago. This stat was in USA Today. I didn't get a chance to use it until this past weekend. 59% of the Braves' starts have been by pitchers 24 or younger. The major league average is 11%. So the Braves have done this this year with largely a group of, look, I mean, it's, it's kind of been you get guys hurt. We had those horrible bullpen games that we all had to endure at one stretch this season. And then some guys have started to step up and find their way. None more so than uh, than Bryce Elder, who's uh, who's pitching tonight, as the uh, Braves getting getting underway up in Cleveland tonight. But eight straight wins, and what they did to the Marlins—a run differential of over twenty in a three-game series. So much for anybody in Miami feeling good about the Marlins and where they are. The headline today in the Miami Herald. Brave sweep isn't everything, 
but it is a reminder of where Miami stands. Let me read you a little bit from that article. Again, it, that was this morning in the Miami Herald. They say we are ex- uh, the Miami Marlins were excited about the matchup, and why wouldn't they be? They had just swept the Boston Red Sox over the past three days and were at the tail end of one of the most successful calendar months in franchise history as they headed into a three-game weekend series against the Atlanta Braves. In the Marlins' eyes, it was a matchup against two of the top teams in the National League and a chance to stake their claim as one of the top teams in baseball midway through the 2023 season. In the grand scheme, it was a three-game affair that could gauge just how good the Marlins might be. Uh, Jordan McPherson wrote that story in the Miami Herald. And the Braves just came out. They just came out and punched them in the mouth. You know, I joked on Saturday here that if you're going to watch the Braves team, you better get there early. You better get there early, and you better get your popcorn and your Cracker Jacks and your beer, your your Coca-Cola, whatever, because you better be in your seat by the bottom of the first inning when this team plays at home because you don't want to miss anything because they are going to come out and get on teams early. Look, this is as good of a team I think the Braves have ever had, at least through the first half of a season. And I think they can go down as one of the all-time greats. And I don't just mean one of the all-time great Braves teams or even one of the all-time great teams we've seen in this city. I'm talking about one of the great teams in the in the history of baseball or the, the history of professional sports. And I think it was John Freaky that said it here this weekend on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. I'm going to give John the credit anyway. You got to finish the drill. You got to win championships. Without a championship, it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. You know, but look, we'll worry about October though later on. For right now, if you're a Braves fan, enjoy what you're seeing. And I say enjoy it because <laughs> I would say we'd, we would never see this again, but then you look at the roster and it's loaded with guys that are going to be here for a while. The core of this team is locked up for the next couple of years. I mean, this is not a flash in a pan at all. Again, this is something that started a couple of years ago, and it continues to grow and grow and grow. And what this team is doing right now is unlike anything that I think we've ever seen. If they can win tonight in Cleveland, excuse me, you're 30 games over 500, and it's July the 3rd. Braves have won 23 out of their last 26. Nine-game lead heading into the uh, into the National League East. I, there, listen, there is so much to be excited about because this Braves team is so much fun to watch. Let's hope that we can have this much fun and this much excitement this fall with the Falcons. We'll get to some Falcons football coming up. Michael Rothstein from ESPN.com. He covers the Falcons. He's going to join us next. Chris Goforth sitting in tonight for John Chuckery. My guy taking a well-deserved couple of days off. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Sit tight. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Goforth in for John Chuckery tonight. Let's talk a little Falcons football. Joining us on the WadeFord.com hotline, Wade Ford, Atlanta's Ford dealer. We say hello to Michael Rothstein from ESPN.com. He is the uh, Falcons reporter, and uh, Michael kind enough to hang with us here for a uh, for a few minutes. Uh, Michael, I want to yeah, start Yeah, I thought with... we were talking competitive eating, man. I thought we were talking <laughs> the hot dog contest tomorrow. <laughs> I, well, let me ask you, could you uh, – I saw a thing with uh, – I saw an interview with uh, – oh, gosh, what's the guy's name that wins every year? Joey Chestnut. Yeah, Joey Chestnut says that uh, he he starts a uh, his routine starts about two days before he does a cleanse and uh, to get himself ready to eat about sixteen or seventeen pounds of hot dogs. Yeah, no, it's what they actually do is incredible. Like the amount of training that goes into it. I was on Candy and Carlin on on ESPN Radio earlier today as I was guest hosting, and we had a whole thing about. I talked about how, like, the training that goes into it, like, they run, they work on expanding their stomach. It's it's fascinating if you're ever into that sort of gluttonous stuff, which growing up in New York and eating a whole bunch of Nathan's hot dogs as a kid, I uh, I totally was into. Now, I know we're not – you actually didn't call me to talk about that, although I could talk about it for days. So let's get into the Falcons. I just wanted to, to very briefly – it is my favorite thing about the 4th of July is the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Let's start with Desmond Ritter because obviously that's where all the conversations around the Falcons have to start. What have you seen from Ritter that gives you hope that this guy can can be that franchise quarterback? Oh, well, uh, listen, when it comes to being the franchise quarterback, we just don't know. There, there's nothing that you can say that you have seen that says he's absolutely going to be the guy. Now, some of what they have seen and what we have seen by proxy is that four-game stretch – he was smart with the ball. He didn't make too many bad decisions. He did get better game over game. And he did it with, frankly, not the best options or, or weapons on offense at that point because Kyle Pitts was out for the season. Drake London had been through a whole year. Cordero Patterson was playing but playing hurt. You know, and yet Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley, even remember, he was out for the year by that point, too, as he got hurt in that New Orleans game. Uh, you know, you, you look at it and you say, well, okay, he, he did okay. And also they had no defense to speak up. Their defense was bad. So I think that that's what gives them confidence. They like his intelligence. They like how he processes things. They like his leadership. And you kind of see what happens from there. But we, we don't know the answer to that question. I think it's part of why they've constructed this team the way they did, because Here's the thing. If Desmond Ritter is an average NFL quarterback, he doesn't need to be a franchise NFL quarterback next year or even the year after that. If he's an average NFL quarterback and getting better, you have kind of insulated your um, margin in, in some ways because of the amount of talent that is around him. You think about it. You have a top 10 pick at running back or running back slash slot receiver, depending how they use B. John Robinson on a given play. A top 10 player pick at wide receiver in Drake London, and a top 10 pick at receiver slash tight end or tight end slash receiver in Kyle Pitts. So all of a sudden, you've given him really good skill position players. You have Johnny Smith there, Tyler Algier there as well, that you can work with that if he is average, that those guys can make this offense better than average with even if he is struggling and learning and, and that is such a big key i don't think we'll know the answer to that definitively for at least half of the season if not the entire season unless he plays extremely well michael rothstein from espn.com outside of ritter michael 
What other questions do you have about the Falcons? Well, I mean, it starts on the defense, right? Like the offensive talent is what the offensive talent is. Now, obviously with Kyle Pitts, we need to see what he looks like back on the field. But the fact that he's playing golf as much as he is, and we see it on, on Instagram, if you follow him, that's a good sign. I think he's getting back to himself, which is important, you know, and we'll see what that looks like in training camp if and when he practices in training camp. But to me, it's the defense because we don't exactly know what Ryan Nielsen's scheme is going to look like. We haven't been able to get a true grasp of it in terms of during OTAs because there's so much learning and not everybody was there all the time. But are they better? Can Jeff Okuda take that next, take that step to be a consistent outside corner because they need him to be? Is he their, their opposite AJ Terrell and they don't have a ton of depth behind him right now? Like, can D. Alford really be the slot? Where did, does the pass rush, all those guys that they brought in from the Calais Campbells to the Bud Dupree's, all the veterans, kind of the win now ish type dudes, uh, can they give them one more year or two more years, uh, you know, of, of good production? You know, does Arnold Rebecca take that next step? There are so many questions around this defense still that, to me, that's the biggest question. A lot of people are going to focus on Desmond Ritter, and I get it. I get it. But this team, their success or failure is going to be all about the defense because I think, at, at worst, Desmond Ritter is going to give them competent quarterback play. Is playoffs a, a realistic expectation for this group? I think so. Uh, because you look at the rest of the division. I mean, I've been on record. I said it today on ESPN Radio. I've written it after the I believe it was after the draft. I think this team can win the division. I think if they get that average quarterback play from Desmond Ritter and they have decent health and their defense is average, this team can win this division because this division's bad. It's bad. Tampa, sorry. They're old on defense. When's the last time other than one game for the Rams, Baker Mayfield won anything? Carolina, I love their roster, but Bryce Young is a rookie quarterback. Carolina is going to be real good real soon, but I'm, I'm not quite there just yet. And then New Orleans, they've lost a lot off of their defense. What have you seen from Dennis Allen that's told you he's going to be uh, a, a plus-level head coach at this point? And Derek Carr has to fit in with that offense, and who knows how that's going to work. Uh, there are just so many, Every team in this division has massive question marks, so I tend to look at, in some ways, the coaching along with the quarterbacks, and I, I think Arthur Smith is – one of the best coaches, one of the better coaches in the NFL, considering what he did was, you know, kind of subpar talent and kind of mix and match talent. Now they've actually been able to spend. So, yes, playoffs to me, I think winning the division is a fair thing to think of based off of what we know right now. Come back to me in a month and a half, and, and I might have a different answer. But I think playoffs and being in contention for the playoffs is absolutely realistic for this team. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We visit with Michael Rothstein, ESPN.com. Do they have enough at wide receiver, Michael? That's a, it's an interesting question because I think it, you have to look at it differently, right? Strictly the guys who have WR next to them, no, probably not. But Kyle Pitts, Johnny Smith, Cordero Patterson, B. John Robinson are all pass catchers. You have to kind of – with the way that they're going to run this offense, you have to kind of get out of the thought of the conventional positions that we know of running back, wide receiver, tight end, and start thinking of pass catcher and rusher or runner for that, for that matter. And, and when you look at that, I think you look at the group of pass catchers and it's actually a pretty good group, but yeah, receiver pass Drake London, not great. Mac Hollins, if he can give you what, what he gave the Raiders last year, that's a big win for you. But Matt Collins is probably your fifth option in the passing game because it's Drake London, it's Kyle Pitts, then it's probably John U. Smith, and then B. John Robinson 
uh, you know, in some sort of order, depending on the game. So Matt Collins is what your fifth option, maybe sixth if Patterson plays a lot. Like, I mean, that's, that's okay. <laughs> to me, that's okay. If you're the Falcons, like, because that's how you built your team. Who wins the battle at left guard? Oh man, I, I don't know the answer. That that to me is one of the biggest open competitions. That maybe who's playing next to Jesse Bates safety, um, and, and some of the defensive line rotations. I, I think right now maybe Matt Hennessy wins that job week one, but uh, you know I, I would imagine Bergeron's gonna their second round pick's gonna push. Now Bergeron's making a position switch, and we've also seen the Falcons have no qualms letting their guys go at the pace they feel they need to go at. We saw that with Richie Grant a couple of years back now, and it paid off last year. Richie Grant played every down last year and played pretty well, too. So I think they're not going to be scared to let it kind of breathe and let it kind of see what happens. But it would not shock me if he won the job either because that's clearly what they would want. And I definitely feel like they drafted him certainly for 2024 since Matt Hennessy's in a contract year. But it would not shock me if Matt Hennessy has that job week one. But, you know, get back to me in like week eight, week nine. Finishing up here with Michael Rothstein from, from ESPN.com. Michael, something you just said about that safety position next to Jesse Bates, do you feel like that job isn't Richie Grant's right now? I mean, it probably is Richie Grant's, but Jalen – Jalen, sorry, I'm going to say Jalen Mayfield. <laughs> We're just talking about left guard, right? Like, <laughs> but he's not even a guard anymore. He's a tackle. But, but Jalen Mayfield's the point I was trying to make. They rushed him too early, and look at what that's done, right? By, by necessity at that point. Mm-hmm. Going back to the safety question, like you mentioned, yeah, it's probably Richie Grant's job. But Jalen Hawkins, he's been a, he was a starter last year. He made a lot of plays last year, but also was out of position here and there too. Uh, it's probably Richie Grant's job to win, but I think they're going to find a way to get all three of those guys on the field. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, I mean, and if, and if all of a sudden you can't, well, then Jalen Hawkins is great depth for you or maybe somebody you can trade to get, you know, uh, get somebody closer to the, you know, closer to either the trade deadline or maybe even the end of training camp if you feel good about your other safety depth, but they don't really have other safety depth beyond those the, you know, beyond those two guys, except for Jalen Hawkins, unless Micah Abernathy takes a massive step. So I think it's Richie Grant's job, but I, I wouldn't count Jalen Hawkins out just yet because we've seen what he can do. We know he can be a starter in this league. Michael Rothstein, ESPN.com. He's the Falcons reporter. You can check out his handiwork there. Michael, appreciate the time, man. Happy 4th of July. Don't eat too many hot dogs, all right? Oh, I will. I will eat no hot dogs. I'm just going to watch it on TV. I, I do it. I watch it every year to remind myself not to eat any hot dogs. <laughs> Michael, appreciate it, man. Great catching up. No problem. Take care. Michael Rothstein from uh, ESPN.com. He covers the uh, covers the Falcons. Does a nice job and was able to uh, look. I, you know, when the Falcons signed Jesse Bates, it and and Bates was so. It seemed like. You know, right from the from the get go, is as when all the the list of free agents started to to pilfer out, you know, from all of the different media sources, that the Falcons were very high on Bates. It seemed like it was almost a given, and sure enough, I mean, that was the if it was definitely the first free agent move I think the Falcons made, if not one of the first in the league, was for the Falcons to try to lock down uh, Jesse Bates pretty quick. And I wondered what that was going to do at that safety position because kind of like what Michael was saying, I thought both Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins played pretty well last year. Um, I really like 
Jalen Hawkins, and, and I think the Falcons will try to find some sort of way to to f- get all three of those guys on the field at the same time because I think they're uh, they're both really good. I feel like offensively, outside of that left guard position, I think everything else is pretty much determined, right? And and I don't feel like there is a ton of it doesn't really make a big deal who starts. Uh, you've heard Arthur Smith talk so much this offseason about positionless football and what he's trying to create. And I think that's kind of what the point that Michael was uh, was making there earlier when I asked him about the wide receiver position. I think when you look at that roster and you just take guys that have the, the you know, the, from the wide receiver position, no, the Falcons probably don't have enough. I sat here last summer thinking they didn't have enough on the offensive line either. And Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot knew what they were doing. And the Falcons were able to put together an offensive line last year. That was pretty good. Even when Elijah Wilkinson, who I thought made a huge difference as a veteran coming in last year, I thought he made a really nice uh, difference on that offensive line. But even when Elijah Wilkinson, those weeks that he was out and the Falcons were trying to patch it together until they could get him back, that offensive line played pretty well, especially as a run-blocking offensive line. So I am willing to give, when, when Arthur Smith talks about this, this group of wide receivers, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt now because, again, I sat here last summer and talked endlessly filling in for for John a couple of times about how the Falcons didn't have enough offensive linemen. you got to go find somebody. And I kept waiting. I went all through training camp waiting that there would be somebody brought in or there would be a move made, and it never happened. Falcons went to war with the guys they had to start the season. It worked out for them. So I'm giving Arthur Smith the benefit of the doubt that he's going to go to war with this group of wide receivers and that these guys are going to be fine. Because as Michael pointed out, there's so many different guys that can catch the ball. You know, what's Cordero Patterson's role in this offense going to be? He's going to have a role. Uh, CP's been too valuable these last two years. He's still too good of a player not to have a role in this offense. B. John Robinson will have a, a big role in it. Tyler Algier. I think Tyler Algier is kind of getting lost in the shuffle with a lot of people. I still think Tyler Algier is is going to get plenty of touches and plenty of carries this year at that running back position. But now you've got a guy in B. John Robinson. You can split him out. You can put him in the slot. He can come out of the backfield on a flare route into the flats and be able to catch, catch passes. Uh, you've got a bunch of tight ends there. So – the Falcons have got guys that can catch the ball. They don't necessarily have to have the wide receiver uh, next to their name in order for them to to really be able to thrive. Now, again, I think if Kyle Pitts comes back and he can look like the Kyle Pitts that he did as a rookie, it's going to change a lot of things in the Falcons passing game. All right, that's a little bit on the Falcons. Let's get you a little bit on the Hawks now. Brad Rowland from Locked on Hawks, outstanding podcast. Uh, Brad's going to join us, and uh, we'll talk about those Atlanta Hawks. We'll do that coming back. Hang on. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Goforth chilling in place of John Chuckery tonight. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.
Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris go forth in in place of John Chuckery tonight. We keep it moving here. We talk Falcons. Now let's talk some Hawks. Back on the waitfor.com hotline we go. Say hello to Brad Rowland from Locked on Hawks podcast. Brad, kind enough to uh, spend a few minutes with us tonight. And Brad, it wasn't that long ago that you and I talked last. I guess it was last week. Um, we finally got that John Collins trade we've been talking <laughs> about for forever. Now, my question to you is, when you look at this Hawks roster, how do you make up the difference for John Collins, especially offensively? Yeah, it's really a good question because at the moment, and this could still change, as you well know, they haven't really done anything else. It's kind of sending out John Collins and getting nothing back in return in terms of like ready-made assets. They have the draft picks from this year who will be rookies. The rookies are not generally ready to play. So, yeah, you're looking at a combination of Sadiq Bey and Jalen Johnson for the most part in, in terms of replacing Collins. Very different players. Sadiq Bey, more of an offensive you know, floor spacer type. I think that that's something that, you, that with Clint Snyder they kind of want a little bit more of. It's a little bit better shooting at their forward spot. So that's probably some of the appeal of Sadiq Bey. And with Jalen Johnson, you're looking to get it in a different way in that he is much more comfortable with the ball in his hands as a creator on the perimeter, uh, great in transition, that kind of thing. Not, not a shooter yet, uh, but still someone who's a little bit more dynamic with the ball in their hands. So they're going to piece it together. It's going to be very, very different, but certainly they have some options. Hawks made a move on Saturday. They get Ty Ty Washington. They get uh, Usman Garuba. I know they didn't give up a lot, Brad, but what are they getting in return? Yeah, that was actually a great piece of like fringe NBA business from the Hawks where they gave up nothing, like you said, and got two draft picks attached to taking two first-round draft picks recently in Garuba and Washington. So it might just be a process move, but as far as these guys on the court, Garuba is really a very good defender. Offensively, certainly a big question, which is why he's available for this kind of price, but he's a you know, 6'8", 6'9", very versatile, um, flexible big man. Defensively could be a nice long-term piece uh, on that side of the floor. And then Washington is a developmental guard, was a first-round pick last year, had kind of a rough year in, in Houston, but uh, honestly, a lot of rookie guards have rough years. So uh, you're kind of buying as low as you possibly can on Washington in particular and maybe a long-term play as a, as a backup point guard type. But uh, you know, basically what I would view as two flyers, but at the cost of very, very little, and you get some picks to take them. Are these guys on the roster come November? Um, I would probably lean to yes, uh, only because they are guaranteed contracts. So you have to either trade them or you have to cut them and pay them, which is, I think is not necessarily likely. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were moved by any means. I'm not, you know, you could probably hear in my voice, I'm not 100% convinced on any of that. But I think if I had to guess right now, knowing what we know, I would lean to yes just because of their contract situation and the fact that they are very young. They're both 21 years old, so there's a little bit of room to grow, even if it's maybe some college park time this year, especially for Washington. I think Rubik could probably play some minutes for you right now. He played a lot more in Houston than Washington did. So uh, I think if I had to guess, Garuba a little bit more likely than Washington, but I would probably say yes to both right now. Now, how does uh, – well, Brad Rowland from Locked on Hawks is with us, but Brad, how does Garuba fit in – with Capella and Okongwu, would he just be the third center? Yeah, I mean, he, he could play a little bit more of the four than a pure center. I think he's, he's closer to Okongwu than what you're looking at, like that more similar size, actually probably even a little bit bigger than Okongwu, like, you know, strength-wise. But, uh, yeah, he's a small ball center for the most part, can play a little bit of four. I think the guy who you're looking at maybe is uh, not benefiting from Garuba is Bruno Fernando who is currently non-guaranteed. They push Bruno's guarantee date back to July 10th, so they can cut Bruno if they want to for no penalty. 
I'm not saying they're going to do that, but I think if you're Bruno, you're probably not thrilled to see another guy there that's kind of in a similar mold to you. Different players, but kind of your third center. And the Hawks do need a third center of some kind, so I think one of those guys will be around. Maybe both. It's not It's not impossible, but I think uh, Garuba probably just more of a depth piece behind those two guys because as long as Capella and Okongwu are both there uh, and healthy at the same time, there isn't really much uh, in terms of minutes at the center spot. Brad Rowland, check out his podcast. It's called Locked on Hawks. You can uh, find it wherever you download your podcast from. And Brad, kind enough to hang with us here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. As they are currently constructed, Brad, is this team today better than the team that ended the season with a playoff loss this past spring? It's really complicated because I think if you just go nuts and bolts on the roster, they're worse because you basically traded John Collins for nothing. And John Collins, forever, I know, I know he's kind of polarizing these days, but is still a good NBA basketball player. No matter what you think of him in the contract and all that stuff, he's still a good player with some clear strengths, and you didn't really replace him. Now, you're banking on internal improvement, and that's reasonable. You have a lot of young guys on this roster that should be getting better as far as a step forward. And I think the most important thing uh, beyond that internal development is Quinn Snyder, a full season of Quinn Snyder. I think the Hawks believe in that development, having him, um, having already had this sort of taste on the bench, but a full off-season full training camp. I, I, I said this before, but I firmly believe that the Hawks would have won a handful more of games last year if Snyder had been there all year long with the same talent. So even if the roster really actually isn't better, in fact, you could probably argue that it's worse right now. I think b- between the uh, the youth and the fact that Snyder's now there for the full season, that's kind of where you have to gr- your, sort of grab your optimism from because like you kind of alluded to there, there isn't like a sweeping change in terms of the roster, and that's kind of tough to swallow for a team that's in the plan. Yeah, I, I don't see – the big move or the splashy move, whether it's free agency or by trade, by this front office this offseason, do you? Uh, if I had to guess, no. I mean, there's certainly irons in the fire. There's been some rumblings about Pascal Siakam. That'd be a very big move if they were to do that. I don't know how close that is. It's just kind of been out there the last couple of weeks that the Hawks are interested in Siakam, but I'm sure Toronto will be asking for a lot. And beyond that, I don't really see a clear path to that. Like, you know, it seems like it's still early. It's July 3rd, but the vast majority of NBA business is done right now. Like some of the big guys are still out there because of the trade requests, you know, your Dame Lillard, your James Harden's. But aside from that, like free agency is almost over at this point and there will be some trades I'm sure. But you know, again, more of the offseason is kind of in the rear mirror now than it actually is in the future. So if you're holding out for a big move, it doesn't seem likely to me, but it's, it's definitely possible whether it's Siakam or something that we just don't know about at this point in time because, you know, there's still, there's still runway. Summer League, the entire NBA descends on Vegas at the same time. There's some conversations that will certainly, will certainly be happening there, but uh, I would not guess that they'd make another big move if I had to guess. Brad Roll and his podcast is Locked on Hawks, and he's with us here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Are you still hearing anything about possibly moving Clint Capella or, or moving Hunter? Uh, is either one of those still a likely possibility? I think that they have still been making calls. You know, after the Collins trade, it, I was intentionally trying to figure out, okay, are they done? Or are they going to try to keep, can I keep going on these guys? It seems like Hunter and Capella are still very much available, but they're not like on a mission to trade them. If that makes sense. I think that uh, the big sort of domino was getting one of those guys off the roster in terms of money and savings and all that. And because of the Collins deal, I think they're still making calls, taking calls, being open to discussions, but the urgency level, in my understanding, is a little bit lower now than it was a couple of weeks ago, which makes logical sense. So it wouldn't surprise me either one of those guys has moved for different reasons. You know, Hunter, you're not, now he's making real money after not being uh, 
after sort of being cheap the first four years of his career. And with Capella, it's more about a Kongu than anything else, if you want to look that way. But I think right now, it seems like those guys are more likely to stay than not. Again, uh, all the caveats apply. Where are the Hawks right now in terms of the, the, the salary situation? Do you Are they going to be looking to, to shed more dollars? They shouldn't need to unless they do something else. Like if they were to add Siakam, he might have some more concerns. But with Collins off the books, they are now well below the luxury tax line. So I don't think they're going to have to shed any more money this year urgently. You know, in the future, when you start talking about the potential to pay guys like DeJounte Murray and Aneka Kongwu and Sadiq Bey on extensions, that's where it gets tricky. So starting next year, you might have some more questions, which is you know part of why they had to shed some salary now was because of the long term in addition to the short term. But as far as this coming season, they're now below the tax line by you know eight to ten million dollars, depending on, on how the uh, sort of decisions that they make on other guys. But they are no longer in tax purgatory right now, unless something else happens. But uh, for now, the urgency level there is probably off, and they can kind of be a little bit more flexible. Brad, I uh, you know I, I poke around those those NBA. Uh, websites looking at, at you know news and and rumors and I see nothing about the Hawks on any of these NBA sites uh, in terms of you know being rumored for this move rumored for that move I I too saw the stuff on Siakam but that's been a while now is it a good thing or a bad thing that everything seems to be so quiet around this team yeah, it's it's probably a mixture, to be honest. You know, part of that is logistics, too. Like, this is a team that came into the offseason having a much more full roster than most teams do. They had basically everyone under contract, and then they also did make a big trade. I mean, so it seems like it was forever ago now, but John Collins got moved. That was, that was a substantial transaction. So, you know, that happened, and after that was done, like, they don't – you know, this is a team that didn't have any more, like, absolute screaming urgency to go do something. So – I'm with you. I've been looking at trying to find, you know, the next thing to talk about and the next thing to kind of gauge. And it really has gone quiet. I think on free agency in particular, there were never going to be a team that moved quickly or had any big money to throw around. So it was always going to be quiet there. But once the Collins thing happened, it basically became, okay, is it Capella? Is it Hunter? Is it something else? And if the answer is no to all those things, there isn't really that much more to do. And, you know, the, the trade that kept happened on Saturday came out of nowhere in probably a good way for the Hawks that, that didn't, it didn't leak out. They made a very nice transaction on the margins, but that's the kind of move you're looking at versus like, they're not really in the rumors right now because it's all kind of focused on the names like Lillard and Harden and, and the Hawks are nowhere near those, nowhere near, near those talks, nor should they be. So they're kind of in a weird spot where they're almost, they're not full, but they kind of can stand pat if they want to. Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks with us as we uh, we wrap things up with him tonight and finish up our conversation talking about the Atlanta Hawks. Will they try to get an extension with DeJounte Murray done this offseason? What's the status for him now beyond the 23-24 season? I think they're going to try, but without going crazy on the CBA, they're, they're limited in what they can offer him. They are Because of his salary being honestly so small right now, he's a really good bargain on his current contract, they are limited with what they, what they can offer. And essentially the consensus is the Hawks – Probably already, probably already offered the most that they can offer, and no one that I've talked to believes DeJounte will take it. Uh, it's a lot of money. It's over $100 million guaranteed, but given where DeJounte is, where the market is going, if he has a pretty good season, he's going to get considerably more on the market than he would get in this extension, so I think they're going to be probably playing the waiting game. Maybe, maybe he uh, surprises everyone and takes the contract, takes, takes the uh, security, but for now, it's, like, it's no one's fault, but the Hawks can only offer so much, and it's not really enough to get DeJounte to take it, at least in the minds of people that I talk to.
He's Brad Rowland. Check out his podcast, Locked on Hawks. He does it every single day. Always good stuff, and Brad, always appreciate it when uh, when you've got time to chat, my man. We'll talk soon, I'm sure. Thanks for having me, Chris. That's Brad Rowland, Locked on Hawks. Again, appreciate Brad giving us a little bit of time. Look, uh, you got your phone handy because uh, I'm going to need you to put a date in your phone right now. That date is going to be July the 12th. You can join 92.9 The Game and John Chuckery for an Atlanta United watch party. It's brought to you by Bud Light. Atlanta United takes on New England. It's happening Wednesday, July the 12th, 7 o'clock, Hampton and Hudson on Highland Avenue. They'll have specials there on Bud Light, and you can register to win a signed Atlanta United jersey, or they'll also be giving away tickets to some future matches. Now, you do have to be 21, and by all means, make sure you drink responsibly. But join John Chuckery and Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, July the 12th, 7 o'clock, Hampton and Hudson on Highland Avenue for an Atlanta United watch party. Back with our Falcons flyover to kick off the 8 o'clock hour. We'll do it next. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.